Praise God. Praise God. What a, what a powerful, powerful idea to, to not only thank God for what he's done around the Thanksgiving season, but even going into this new year, uh, this first Sunday of the new year, to say thank you, Lord, to just thank God. Come on, just for a moment, just, just begin to thank God. It may not be as good as you want it, but thank God it's not any worse than it is. Uh, you may not be where you want to be, but thank God that you're not where you used to be. I was talking to somebody just this past week. They were celebrating a milestone birthday, and they were, they were struggling with, with hitting this milestone in life and, and said, you know, they, they didn't know how to feel about it. And I said, well, I said, you know, you need to celebrate your birthday because it beats the alternative, right? Uh, there's only one way not to get older, and that's to die. And so, you know, be thankful and grateful for the life that God has blessed you with and continue to work to become all that God wants you to be. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time on this first Sunday of the new year. Father, we thank you and bless you for today. Uh, I pray now that you'll bless your word as it goes forth. Uh, Just anoint me from on high. Uh, Everything that is done, all of those who are working behind the scenes to make this a reality, God, we just pray that you would bless, that you will be glorified, that your people will be edified, and that the devil will be horrified and terrified by the life change that will come forth out of the life-giving Word of God. We ask your blessings now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So growing up in New York City and playing basketball in particular on the playgrounds, one of the phrases that you would hear from a losing team after they had lost maybe felt like they could have won or it was a particularly good game, uh, you would hear somebody holler out, run it back, run it back. We're not going to change sides. We don't have to get any other people on the court. We're going to play with who we have. After the 1994 NBA championship in which the Houston Rockets won the title, they came back in year 94-95 with a plan to basically run it back. Uh, Their team was virtually the same, and people were looking forward to seeing if this heart of a champion would last another year. 1995 rolled around, and February the 14th in particular, it was a blockbuster trade. Uh, I remember I was literally driving down 59, and I saw the sign come up, and it said, Welcome Home, Clyde. And I'm like, Welcome Home, and who is Clyde? Well, news had broke that the Portland Trail Blazers had traded Clyde Drexler, hometown hero, and Tracy Murray to the Houston Rockets for Otis Thorpe, Marcelo Nicola and a first round draft pick. Here comes this 11 time all star NBA champion wannabe, right? Clyde Drexler, one of the 50 greatest players in the history of the NBA. Here he comes back home where his fame rose to national prominence as a member of 
the Houston Cougars Phi Slamma Jamma team. He's going to be reunited with his Phi Slamma Jamma teammate, Hakeem Olajuwon. They were 25 and 21 when they made the trade on February the 14th. It was clear to the management and leadership that the idea of running it back was not going to work for the Houston Rockets as the team was composed. And so they made the trade. Now, there were some of us who looked and said, man, is this, is this the right thing to do? Is this the right time? You, you're breaking up the chemistry of the team. Otis Thorpe, man, was one of those grunt workers, man. He was, he was a great player, great defender, great rebounder. And you're like, man, is this, is this what you want to do to this team? Who's going to help uh, Hakeem on the boards? But they made the trade. And the team began to play better. And there were times during that championship run that you wondered if they made the right decision. But here's what I saw on one occasion. I saw on one occasion when Hakeem Olajuwon clearly couldn't do it by himself. Kenny Smith was cold. The other players on the team weren't playing well. And they had a person in Clyde Drexler who was able to take a game over. And Clyde did that on several occasions. Eventually, the Houston Rockets became back-to-back champions of the National Basketball Association. Here's what they recognized. In order for them to get where they wanted to be, back to championship form, they had to be willing to make a change. They had to be willing to give some things up in order to get the piece that they thought would actually help push them over the top and make them a champion again. And it proved to be correct. My brothers and sisters, listen to me carefully. Each one of us on this first Sunday of the new year have to make a decision. Uh, As you look back over the last year, as you look back over the last two years, some of you go back further than COVID, you can look back over your life and recognize that there are some changes that you need to make in life if you want to get where you ultimately want to be. It's amazing to me how many people want to see a change in their outcomes, but they don't want to make a change in terms of their input. They want to get something different on the backside, but they don't want to make a change in terms of what they give or what they invest on the inside and on the front side. Today, I want to look at a man who by all rights, was in a position where he didn't have to make any changes. There are those who would suggest he was more than successful in life. Uh, Even though he may not have been well-liked by others, he was prominent, he was wealthy, he had things going on, but he knew there was something missing in his life and he wanted to make a change so that he could become the best he could be. Today, for a few moments, I want to talk to you from the thought, how to experience a great change in your life. How to experience a great change in your life. There's somebody that's watching right now. As you come to this first of the year, you recognize that you need to make a change in your life. For somebody, it's an emotional change. For somebody, it's a physical change. For somebody, it's a 
mental change. For somebody, it, it's a psychological, spiritual change. There, there are a number of places in your life where you recognize, you know what, I need to make a change because I want something different in my life. I want something different out of my life. I want something different from my life. And you have to do some things if you're going to experience the change that God wants you to make. Our scripture reading was read earlier for you, Luke chapter 19. It's a somewhat familiar passage of scripture for those of you who are Bible students and Bible scholars, but please don't tune me out. Stay with me if you will. And for those of you who are not familiar, I believe this story will speak a powerful word of principle out of the precepts of God into your life. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Number one, if you're going to experience a great change in your life, you must be willing to identify and seek what you really need changed in your life. You must be willing to identify and seek what you really need changed in your life. What will it take for you to make a change in your life? You've got to identify what it is that needs to be changed. And you've got to go after it. Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 1. He entered Jericho and was passing through, the ESV translation says. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. The Bible says Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Uh, in, in, in times like these, tax collectors were not uh, popular with the common people because uh, they worked for and collected taxes on behalf of the Roman government. And there were many of them who were uh, seen and viewed to be as unethical. They were, as a matter of fact, classified as sinners. Uh, because many of them would cheat people, either collecting more than they should or not writing down what they had collected, lying about what they had collected, and pocketing the overage of the proceeds that they had collected. And the Bible says Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. So if you can just imagine for a moment, if folk thought that a regular tax collector was a sinner, then the chief tax collector, whatever that would mean in terms of his designation, he was above other tax collectors. And the Bible says he was a rich man. He was a rich man. He was responsible for representing an oppressive Roman government. He would manage local tax collectors and, and all of the monies that came in. But the Bible says Zacchaeus did something. Uh, despite his status, despite his wealth, the text says he went looking, seeking to see who Jesus was. Uh, we, we have not gotten word as to how he heard that Jesus was coming. We don't have the specifics about the, the word getting out about this itinerant preacher from Nazareth. But the Bible says that he, he is seeking Jesus. Uh, despite his position, 
despite his status, despite his net worth, he is seeking after Jesus. And my brothers and sisters, here's what I want you to understand that Zacchaeus seems to have understood. Uh, There are some things in life that you can acquire and accumulate. There are some things in life that you can have that really won't make a difference in terms of who you need to be when it comes to what God is trying to do in your life. There are those of us who would look at Zacchaeus and say, hey, Zacchaeus, look here, man, you had money, you had haters, but you had enough money to afford to have haters. Why, why would you even worry about it, man? Just go on and live your life and do your thing. But Zacchaeus understood and teaches all of us that there is more to life than just having money or being rich. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are looking at me saying, Pastor, I hear what you're saying, but that's because you're not rich and that's because... I haven't been rich, but I sure would like to find out if having money would make all the difference in the world. Well, my brothers and sisters, I know there are a whole lot of us who believe that our lives would change significantly if we had a lot more money. But the truth of the matter is, money doesn't change you as much as it reveals you. Uh, When you see somebody blowing millions of dollars, when you see somebody wasting their talent and their potential, when you see somebody who is literally uh, living the high life every day of the week and just blowing money after money, listen to me carefully. That money didn't change them. It just revealed them. It revealed who they really are in terms of their character. Zacchaeus somehow got to the place where he recognized that money wasn't enough, that he wasn't going to allow himself to be defined by his money, that his net worth did little to help him in terms of his self-worth. And the Bible says he was seeking Jesus. He was seeking who Jesus was. He, he literally humbled himself. He literally humbled himself. Uh, imagine Zacchaeus. Imagine him, a, a, a ruler, a person of status, uh, a person who's respected. If, if he wasn't respected, he would be feared. But this man sought Jesus despite what he had and who he was. He sought Jesus. Let me ask you a question. What, if anything, is keeping you from seeking Jesus? What is getting in the way of you being all that God wants you to be? For somebody, it may be wealth. And you may say, well, listen, I don't have a lot of money. I'm not rich. Here's what I know. You don't have to be rich to have too much for you to really submit yourself to God. All you need is enough to fuel that independent, egocentric spirit within you that is already there, that the Spirit is already doing battle with to keep you from submitting yourself and humbling yourself before God. See, the truth of the matter is, and I've said it before, let me say it again, many times it's life's circumstances that move us to seek God like we should. When the sun is shining in our lives, There's no storm. There's no rain. That's when we have a tendency to play more than pray. 
But when difficulties come, whether they are difficulties from within or difficulties from without, it is at those moments that we are challenged to humble ourselves and pray as never before. It is at that time when we recognize that we can't and we need God to do that we seek God like we should. Zacchaeus identified what he really needed. And that was a encounter with Jesus. Here's the second thing that I want to share with you in order to experience a great change in your life. Number two, you must do whatever you need to do. If you're going to experience a great change in your life, you must do whatever you need to do. Verse 3, Luke chapter 1. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Zacchaeus recognizes he must do whatever it takes to overcome whatever limitations he has to see Jesus. Now, the text says he was small in stature, which means it was dangerous in a way for him to even try to be in that thronging crowd because he was shorter, so so people could crowd over him and crowd in on him and, and crowd around him. But but the Bible says he was not going to allow his height to keep him from getting to Jesus. He was not going to allow that limitation to keep him from seeing Jesus. Now listen to me carefully. Lord have mercy. Watch this. His height was a natural limitation. His height was God-given. But he would not allow that God-given limitation to hinder him from seeing Jesus. He saw his lack of height as an opportunity to exercise his faith in a creative way. He was willing to do whatever it took. My brothers and sisters, listen to me carefully. Don't don't, don't miss this. How, How many times do you know people, maybe you, who have literally said, I would do this, but... That's just the way I am. Or God created me this way. Or it's genetics. You know, or it's it's just part of my family line. Um, I was watching on the news this past week, and they were celebrating a young lady who at her highest weight was 416 pounds. And one of the comments she made as they were interviewing her was that she comes from a family of big people. And so there was this idea that somehow this may have been genetically caused. She was uh, predisposed to having uh, a large body. But then she made a statement. She said, uh, but I also recognize that my poor eating contributed to my excessive weight, and I made some changes. 
And over a prescribed time period, she has now lost 208 pounds and people were celebrating her accomplishment. And she was talking about how good she felt because she took what some would perceive as a natural limitation. And she did what she needed to do to make a change. Listen to me. For Zacchaeus, it was his height. Let me ask you a question. What's holding you back? What's keeping you from making the change that you need to make in your life? For somebody, uh, it's your home. Uh, Your home life is is holding you back, and you're blaming the person you're married to or the the person you're not married to, or you're, you're blaming the person who raised you, your mother or your father or your grandparents, even though that person may be gone or you're not even living in the house anymore. But you're blaming your home for where you are, and more importantly, you're acting like that's a justification for where you're going to stay. For somebody else, it's not your home. You're blaming your head because of, of your thinking. You're not thinking right. You're not thinking clearly or you think everybody's against you. Everybody's trying to play you instead of getting the counseling and the encouragement and the help and finding some true friends who are going to tell you the truth even when it's painful. For somebody else, it's your heart because your heart has been broken. Somebody in the past has mistreated you. Somebody has said something to you that cut deep and the wound is still there. Even though you look like you healed on the outside, you're still wounded on the inside. For somebody else, it's a hurt where somebody close to you has hurt you. You never expected them to hurt you. You were looking for somebody that was an enemy on the outside. You never thought that the enemy who would stab you would stab you in the back from behind you because they said they would always have your back. For somebody else, it may be some destructive habits, some things that you have been doing as a result of the pain that you have been dealing with the depression that you have been dealing with, the anxiety that you have been dealing with. For somebody else, it's the hang-ups, just just the things, just the issues, just the stuff, just the mess. And it seems like when, when somebody does something, it may be innocently done, but it can trigger those feelings. Zacchaeus' height was holding him back. What is holding you back right now? from seeing the Lord like you need to see him, from getting to him like you need to get to him. And watch what Zacchaeus does. He, he does something that is, that is out of character. His, his conduct is designed to get him to Christ even though it is outside of his normal, normal character. The Bible says he runs and climbs a tree. He runs and climbs a tree. He wanted to see Jesus so badly that the text says he ran, he humbled himself, and he climbed a tree. Watch this. The rich didn't run. Folk ran to them. Rich folk don't run. And men don't climb. Boys climb trees. Men don't climb trees. But the Bible says Zacchaeus short in stature, ran and climbed because he wanted to see Jesus. Are you willing to do what's not of your, part of your normal behavior? Are you willing to adjust your conduct and do what you haven't done in order 
to really see Jesus and get to where God wants you to be? My brothers and sisters, listen to me carefully. You've got to be willing to, in a very simple way, run forward and climb higher in order to see the Lord. You have been drifting, you have been wandering, you have been wavering, and the Lord says, if you want to see a change in this year, you want to see a change in 2022, the requirement is not for God to make a change. The requirement is for you to make a change. Whatever it is that's hindering you from seeing the Lord, whatever it is that's keeping you from getting to the Lord, for Zacchaeus it was his height. For you it may be your home, your heart, your head, your habits, your hang-ups, your hurts, a broken heart, whatever it is. My brothers and sisters, deal with it so you can get to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we bless you for this day. We pray now that everything that's been said and everything that's been done has been pleasing in your sight and that it has brought glory to your name. We thank you. And I pray, God, that good seed has found good soil in the hearts and minds of your people. Help us to be not just hearers of your word. Help us to be doers as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to stop right there, y'all. I'm going to pick this back up next week. And, uh, man, I hope and pray that you're ready, that you're ready to make a change. I've got to tell you, uh, over the last month, God has been dealing with me just even on a personal level because I've experienced some changes, and all of the changes have not been good. As a matter of fact, some of the changes have been challenging, and some of the changes have been tough. Um, but, but one of the things the Holy Spirit did for me over the last 30 days or so is just really challenged me to get myself back where I need to be, get back on top of some things, get some things off of me so that I can continue to move and be used by God for the season that God has left for me to serve. And I hope and pray that you're ready to do that as well. Now, if you are watching today and you need the Lord in your life, um, you're looking for a church home, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes today. It, it's a blessing. You know, today's the first Sunday of the new year, and we were planning on being back in our corporate worship setting uh, at our church campus. We're still going to continue to stream. We're still going to provide for you uh, the best in bringing uh, God's house into your home, uh, but we were going to come back together as a church body, and the Omicron variant, man, we've seen a 746% increase in infections over the last two weeks. Um, I was watching the news yesterday, state of New York, something like 986% increase. The, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, province uh, of Puerto Rico, uh, over 2,000% increase. And that's with 75% of the people uh, declaring that they have been vaccinated. Now, listen carefully. The doctors have already told us the vaccination will not keep you from 
contracting the virus, but what it will do is mitigate, mitigate the symptoms. And the number one symptom and side effect that you want to minimize and mitigate is death. And we're seeing that the overwhelming majority of people who are dying of this Omicron variant are those who are unvaccinated. So I want to encourage you to do that. But listen, if you're looking for a church home, click on the link that says, uh, I want to join the church and we will help you to become part of the Good Hope Church family if that's where the Lord is leading you. Um, If you'd like to become a Christian, uh, say, I want to be saved. I want to become a Christian. Click on that link uh, and you can pray the prayer of salvation and you can do the steps that you need in order to ask Jesus Christ into your life. There's nothing better to do at the first of the year than to make a commitment of your life to Jesus Christ. And for those of you who know the Lord, I want you to make a rededication of your life to the Lord. Now, somebody may say, well, you know what, man, I'm, I'm tired, Pastor, I'm frustrated because, man, I rededicate my life every year, and, and man, you know, I just seem to make a mistake, and, and I seem to mess up. Listen, let me share this with you. A mess up is not a reason to give up. A mess up is not a reason to give up. Just because you mess up doesn't mean God has given up on you, and it certainly doesn't mean you should give up on yourself, all right? Keep on plugging, man. Keep on trying. Uh, None of us are perfect. None of us who stand behind the sacred desk are perfect. None of us who proclaim, teach the Word of God are perfect. None of us who are singing and praying are perfect. We're imperfect uh, creatures. I'm an imperfect preacher serving a perfect God. And my hope and my prayer is that you don't ever get distracted looking at me to the point that you don't see God. All right? A couple of uh, great things happening. First of all, uh, our food pantry will be shifting to Friday and Saturday from Wednesday. Uh, I'm calling all volunteers to come out. Come out on Friday, January the 7th. Friday, January the 7th. Um, I think we're going to start around 6 o'clock on January the 7th. Man, and listen, call, let us know you're coming. Call the church number 713-524-6578, 713-524-6578, and say, yes, I'm coming out to volunteer. We're wearing our masks. We're wearing our gloves. We're going to be careful, but we still know that there's a lot of food insecurity in our area, in our city. And we want to do our part to continue to serve men and women, boys and girls with the things that they need in order to continue their journey to becoming all that God wants them to be. Now, last but not least, uh, remember we're being watched in 134 different countries. So if you are watching us wherever you are in the world, please put it in the chat. Send us an email. Go to goodhope.org. Send us an email and let us know where you are. We want to pray for you. We want to encourage you. Uh, We want to rejoice that God is using this ministry to help touch your life wherever you are in the world, all right? Uh, Oh, don't forget about giving. Yeah, make sure you start off 
the right way in terms of your stewardship. There are six different ways that you can give here at the Good Hope Church. And I hope and pray throughout the service you have seen uh, various prompts to give, and you could text and give. Uh, you can download our app. If you don't have our app, go to the App Store and download our app. Look for that logo that's on the screen, and you can download our app wherever you get your apps, and you can follow us uh, during the week and be notified when our services are coming online. Uh, you can register on YouTube. Uh, just make sure that you connect with us, all right? And uh, like us, share us with family members and friends. Let them know there's never been a better time for hope, all right? God is doing something wonderful in you. God is doing something wonderful in me. Let's keep on letting God do what God wants to do. We've got an exciting series coming up. We've got to finish this message next week. Lord says the same, and the creek don't rise. Stay safe. Get vaccinated. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. Stay physically distant as much as possible. Man, we're expecting a rise in this variant showing up between Christmas holidays and people traveling, two to three million people traveling uh, a day around the country. And now New Year's, man, people just saying they're going to party like it's 1999. And, man, they're just doing their thing. With all of that going on, let's just pray that we can get through this season of the Omicron variant. All right? And we'll let you know when we get ready to reopen and uh, put our safety protocols in place. God bless you and God be with you is my prayer.